Former President Trump considering Governor Abbott as a potential running mate, what the governor has to say in response. Beneficial rain may be making a return to Central Texas starting next week. We'll walk you through daily rain chances ahead. Over a million acres burned as a major wildfire continues its tear across the panhandle, bringing destruction and devastation to several counties. Why the seemingly unstoppable inferno could get worse over the weekend. Well, President Trump says he is considering Governor Greg Abbott as a running mate for the presidential ticket. Thanks for joining us. I'm Daniel Marin. And I'm Britt Moreno. Happy Friday. Now, during his visit to the border yesterday, Trump told Fox News that Abbott is on his short list of vice presidential candidates. But the governor told us today that he plans to stay right here in Texas. Listen, obviously that's very nice of him to say, but I think you all know. Uh, that my focus is entirely uh, on the state of Texas. Uh, as you know, I'm, I'm working right now on the uh, midterm election process. I've already talked about uh, that I've announced that I'm running for re-election uh, two years from now. Uh, and so my commitment to Texas is to Texas that I'm staying in Texas. In the same interview with Fox News, Trump said another person he's considering as a running mate is South Carolina Republican Senator, Senator Tim Scott. And Governor Abbott spoke in the city of Borger today on the deadly wildfires still scorching the Texas panhandle, now the largest blaze in state history. Earlier this week, Abbott deployed hundreds of state and local first responders to contain the fire. The governor was joined today by the Texas Division of Emergency Management Chief and other state officials as he emphasized the importance of helping Panhandle communities rebuild after they've endured devastating losses. Those who are affected by this have gone through utter devastation. They are going through challenges that others cannot comprehend. They need our ongoing support our ongoing assistance and our ongoing prayers as they and we all work together to help this entire Panhandle region. In addition to growing into the largest fire in state history, the deadly Smokehouse Creek fire hit another grim milestone. The fire has killed two people, and after destroying one million acres, it now ranks as the second largest wildfire in U.S. history. And the conditions over the weekend mean things could get even worse before they get better. I'm hanging in there. Maybe I should just leave it at that so I don't get teary-eyed right now. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. You see these people that have lost everything. And you just, you want to love on them. The Smokehouse Creek Fire merged with another fire. It is just 15% contained. According to the Texas A&M Forest Service, crews from all over the state are on the ground to get this historic fire under control. Volunteers from all around Texas are also in the area to help make sure people can get help if they need it. And going in depth, according to data from the Western Fire Chiefs Association, the largest wildfire in U.S. history was the 1825 Miramichi Fire. That burned 3 million acres across the state of Maine and left 160 people dead. The ongoing Smokehouse Creek Fire here in Texas again took the number two spot on the list with over a million acres burned, two people dead so far. And the third largest wildfire recorded in the U.S. was the August Complex Fire in California. You'll remember that burned over a million acres of California and left one person dead in August of 2020.
Well, it has been a sunny day with a really nice breeze today here in Austin. We're very fortunate, and it's the first day of March, which is so wild. Yeah, and Time what a turnaround fine. from the end of right. uh, February yesterday. <laughs> Hard to believe it was just a day ago. Uh, temperatures recovered in a big way as we kicked out our morning clouds, although there's still some scattered clouds left over in our southeastern counties, including you and Lockhart from our Kreitz Market camera. You can see some of those clouds there. Even a couple of sprinkles in the air, probably drying out before reaching the ground. And instead, you see the Virga, sort of the low-hanging clouds out there instead of actually any rain. But in general, it's going to be a mostly clear evening. We've got 60s for the metro and east, 70s to almost 80 in the hill country right now. We're a full 20 to 33 degrees warmer than we were this time yesterday. And no doubt you're enjoying the, the warmth and really pleasant air going into the evening. If you've got downtown plans tonight, 68 at 6, 63 at 8, and still in the 60s at 60 at 10 under a mostly clear sky. Coming up in first warning weather, we'll track this continuing warm-up into the weekend. We'll take you through the uh, beautiful weather here this weekend, if not a little on the warm side, ahead of a wet pattern that begins on Monday. All right, Nick, thank you very much. Defense attorneys questioned the credibility of an expert witness in the trial over the death in custody death of Javier Ambler. Two former Williamson County Sheriff's deputies are accused of acting recklessly while trying to arrest Ambler back in 2019. Ambler led deputies on a chase, and when he crashed, the defense says deputies used a taser despite Ambler telling officers he had a heart condition. KXAN's Mercedes Hernandez has been sitting in on this trial for us. Mercedes, which witness was at the center of debate today? Thanks, guys. The defense and the state talked with the judge for over an hour about whether to let Robert Clark, a former police officer from California, take the stand today. Now, eventually, the judge allowed him to testify in front of the jury, but he wasn't allowed to weigh in on Johnson or Kendon's actions during the pursuit for Ambler or positional asphyxia, just the arrest and the tasing. Clark says he's consulted on hundreds of cases like this before, but the defense questioned if he was qualified to analyze the arrest because he didn't know Williamson County's protocols about tasing. He said regardless, the deputies were bound by Texas peace officer standards, which he does know, and that those weren't followed in this case. Also in the taser training itself, there's a schematic of the body and the area is not to be tased and the neck is on. A forensic medical consultant was also called as an expert witness today. He analyzed footage of the arrest and files on Ambler's health. He said Ambler's heart was enlarged and showed signs of disease and infection. He did say, though, that it's hard, it's nearly impossible, rather, to tell what exactly killed Ambler that night. But he says factors like his poor health and stress from the tasing were contributing factors. At the Travis County Courthouse, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. Mercedes, thanks very much for that. Austin police are looking for a suspect involved in a hit and run that took place in the Windsor Park area of downtown Austin. Shortly after 4 a.m. on Monday, officers responded to a crash between a car and a pedestrian on Manor Road near Rocky Lane. The person who was hit was taken to a hospital in critical condition, suffering from life-threatening injuries. Take a look at your screen if you can. Do you recognize this vehicle? A police investigation found the driver of this truck 
hit the victim and left the scene. Police describe it as a newer model four-door white pickup truck. If you recognize it or have any information, APD asks that you contact the Highway Investigation Tip Line. The death of shipping CEO Angela Chow is officially under criminal investigation. That's according to NBC News. Chow, the CEO of Foremost Group and sister-in-law of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, was found dead earlier this month after being found in a car that had gone into a pond on a Johnson City Road. The Blanco County Sheriff's Office says the incident was, quote, not a typical accident and that they will investigate it as criminal until they have enough evidence to rule out criminal activity. Still to come, the track star making a name for himself on a run for a spot on the U.S. Olympic team before he turns 20. The multitude of records he's broken so far on his journey to Paris. Plus, a Texas grandmother getting ready to throw a big bash for her quinceanera this weekend. Why the traditional celebration of her 15th birthday is happening this weekend. The opportunity for you to check out the upcoming total solar eclipse from Texas State Parks. What you should know before making reservations. If today's lovely weather has you wanting to get out and experience nature, you're not alone. It is peak visitor season for a number of major parks around the Lone Star State. Hundreds of thousands of people are heading out to see nature this season. The list of the busiest state parks includes Cedar Hill State Park, which sees around 88,000 people every spring, and Enchanted Rock, which sees close to 100,000 people come springtime. Meanwhile, Garner State Park out west sees around 110,000 visitors. And Palo Duro Canyon is just over that with 120,000 park goers. However, that's a lot less than the busiest park, which is Ray Roberts Lake State Park, whose shores see a whopping 216,000 people during the springtime. And if you're hoping to see the upcoming eclipse from any Texas State Park, reservations for a day pass open up a week from today on March 8th. But if you want to see it from Enchanted Rock, those are going to open up on March 11th and they're going to be by phone only. Now, these reservations are first come, first served. Texas Parks and Wildlife says they expect the passes to go pretty quickly. If you're planning on calling to get a pass, you should have your vehicle information ready, the number of people in your party, as well as a credit card to confirm your reservation. Most people in their late teens are heading to college or entering the workforce, but this teenager is making big strides in trying to secure his spot at the Paris 2024 Olympics. We join him next on his journey to Paris. The sun came out and the pollen count jumped up. Cedar and mold now medium and trending higher. Mulberry and elm low but trending higher. So were our temperatures. Gosh, we got up to 70 here today and we warm up another 10 this weekend. We'll take you through the weekend and the wet weather to follow in First Warning Weather. Looking ahead to this summer's Paris Olympics, do you remember what you were doing at 18 years old? Most of us were just starting to figure out adulthood. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't want to know what I was doing. <laughs> Triple jumper Jaden Hibbert was doing the very same thing, trying to figure things out, but he's also been breaking records. The freshman setting collegiate Jamaican and world records. Alyssa Orange introduces us to this now 19-year-old track phenomenon who is taking the jumps world by storm. Three years ago, God took me from really being this ordinary jumper to this extraordinary jumper. The winner of the Bowerman is Jaden Hibbert. At just 18 years old, Jaden Hibbert has accomplished what some hope to do over their entire career. To do what he's done and do it with such grace and, and such humility, and um, he's the, uh, the premier package. 
Growing up in Kingston, Jamaica, he didn't start competing in the jumps until he was 16 years old, earning a scholarship to Arkansas and working with coach Travis Kepfert. In triple jumping itself, I don't know what I do. He just says jump and I jump. I'm excited for the world to be able to see more of him and the genuine person that he is, but for him to continue to come out of his shell. In January, Hibbert decided to turn pro, but that doesn't mean he's done with college. You know, walk to class like any other, you know, just be a normal kid, even though I'm a pro athlete right now. Proud in, in the fact that he is committed to his, his degree and uh, finishing school and it's just a really big deal you know for a young man that just turned 19 years old um, to have that uh, big picture mindset and he and coach Gepford can focus on the dream Hibbert's had since he was young they always ask me on paper what you want to become I said I'm an Olympic athlete he's excited to, to bring that that spotlight to the jumps and I think he's a great personality for it the quick success has given him a platform without having to sacrifice what's most important being true to himself Hibby the wonder kid. Just put God first, let him lead, let him give the coaches, whoever is in my development, the, the wisdom to guide me and to just give it my best. It's track and field, you enjoy yourself. On the journey to Paris, I'm Alyssa Orange. First warning weather with meteorologist Nick Bannon. Just a beautiful end to your afternoon and beginning to your evening wherever you are, but especially in Fredericksburg right now, the Barrens Creek Vineyards where we're at 76 degrees, low humidity, uh, area of low pressure that brought us some of those spotty showers and sprinkles yesterday afternoon and evening. That is continuing to pull away and in its place, dry air that helped to clear out the clouds here today. And that combined with the southeasterly breeze brought temperatures up. We do just have some scattered clouds southeast of Austin now. Those will disappear. Most of the evening looks mainly clear, but by the time we get into early tomorrow morning, areas near and especially east of 35 and into our eastern counties could start with a lot of low clouds and even some thick fog briefly tomorrow morning. This should burn off between 9 and 11 and then mostly sunny skies with just some high thin clouds the rest of the day here tomorrow. It looks lovely, just another 10 degrees warmer compared to what we had today. We start Sunday with even more cloud cover and we also add some sprinkles of drizzle into the mix as well as fog to begin Sunday. But Sunday, the low clouds will lift away again, revealing good amounts of sunshine by late morning and into the afternoon. Although more of a sun cloud mix here for Sunday because some more clouds may come back later in the day. But tonight, mostly clear for the evening, low clouds and fog late, overnight lows down to about 50, which is several degrees warmer than it was earlier this morning. And then we're near 80 both days of the weekend. I think Saturday's the warmer day because we'll have more sunshine, even though we start off with some clouds early. Uh, a lot of sun pushes us up to 81, and then more clouds on Sunday knocks us back down just slightly down to 79. Other than the sprinkles and drizzle early Sunday morning, it's a dry weekend. But beyond the weekend, rain chances start to come back, beginning as early as Monday afternoon and evening. Some scattered showers and even some thunderstorms around, and we're continuing decent rain chances for Monday. Looks like Tuesday's a mostly dry day in between more rounds of wet weather. Rain chances start to pick up a little bit on Wednesday, even more so as we head into Thursday and some leftover rain into early Friday before that drier weather takes over again. But yes, every single day of the work week next week has rainfall chances. Now for right now, National Weather Service outlook for the rainfall amounts, not super impressive just yet. 
quarter inch to three quarters of an inch for most of us, but less than a quarter inch for the hill country. However, if we can start gaining a bit more confidence in each of these daily rain chances, especially on Monday, Thursday and Friday, I wouldn't be surprised if the rainfall estimates start to tick up. So come back with us this weekend as we reanalyze things and uh, hopefully we'll be trending in an even wetter direction. The weekend does look dry and warm aside from the drizzle Sunday morning and then scattered showers and storms Monday and Tuesday although drier on Tuesday than Monday, keep us in the 80s. Then we drop into the 70s, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Nick, thanks very much. Well, people born on Leap Day only get to celebrate their actual birthday a handful of times, of course. One of those people is a Texas grandmother who is celebrating her quinceanera this year. Now, a quinceanera is a Latin American tradition for a girl's 15th birthday. It's one Texas grandmother, Noemi Cruz's late father, longed for. And while he didn't live to see her get married and start a family, her four brothers have helped lead the way in fulfilling the promise of a ball gown, a corset, a tiara, and of course, a big party fit for a birthday queen. As you will see, I can twirl all day in that dress, and it feels beautiful. Everybody pitched it, so making it not only a promise that we were going to keep, but just seeing the, the family love and unity to make this happen. It is so fun to do the twirl. This weekend, more than 100 guests will travel from across the nation to celebrate Noemi's quinceanera. Well, coming up tonight on Dateline, Dennis Murphy reports on the latest development in the case of a Connecticut mother who disappeared and was later found dead. Her husband and her husband's ex-girlfriend implicated in the case. Tonight, the new evidence, bombshell revelations, and now a verdict for that ex. Hey, Dennis Murphy here. The case against her might boil down to one clip from a city surveillance camera as her lover deposits garbage bags later found to contain bloody clothing from his missing wife. Michelle Traconis, the other woman in the grisly disappearance of the missing mom of five, Jennifer Dulos, on trial for conspiracy to commit murder and other charges. It's been a notorious case, and now we have the video and trial testimony that ties it all together. I hope you can join me tonight on Dateline. Five years behind bars for shooting a young woman in his driveway last April. 66-year-old Kevin Monahan was convicted in January of the second-degree murder of 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis. Gillis was a passenger in a car that accidentally turned up Monahan's driveway while searching for a party. Now today, Monahan was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison for the murder, plus a smaller consecutive sentence for tampering with evidence. After the trial in January, the victim's family said they were grateful for the guilty verdict calling it a small step forward in their journey of healing. Going in depth, just three days after that shooting, a similar situation happened here in Texas. Round Rock cheerleader Peyton Washington was shot three times outside of an Elgin HEB when one of her friends accidentally tried to get into the wrong car. Her friend quickly realized her mistake and exited the car. Police say the driver then approached the car they got into and opened fire, shooting two people, including Washington. She was left with critical injuries but has since recovered. 25-year-old Pedro Teo Rodriguez Jr. was charged with deadly conduct in connection to that shooting. Now, Elgin police told us today that they've turned this case over to the Bastrop County District Attorney's Office for prosecution. A funeral service was held today in Moscow for Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Navalny died in prison about two weeks ago. Today, thousands turned out to pay their respects to President Vladimir Putin's most outspoken critic. 
The funeral took place under heavy police watch at the Church of the Icon after Navalny's family reportedly had a difficult time finding a church to host the service. Throughout the service, the crowd outside chanted no to war and love is more powerful than fear. Before his death, Navalny had been held in prison for over three years after his foundation for fighting corruption was designated as an extremist organization by the Russian government.